Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Yay! Y'all are awake. Good to see all those smiling faces out there this morning. Uh, it's kind of hard to see if there's glare. If there's any visitors, there's a connect card in the uh, songbook racks in front of you. Fill that out and drop it either in the, uh, leave it on your pew or you drop that lock box back there. That's also the way we take up offering in the lock box. Restrooms are down this hall. Ladies on the left and men on the left a little further down. Anyway, it's good to see y'all on this cold morning. I'm going to read. Let me find my right page here. The shortest chapter in the Bible is Psalms 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. That's you people. We're all Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Only two verses long. Now, two chapters later, chapter 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. If I do, y'all won't have any preaching. <laughs> but I want to tell you something about it. Each stanza is uh, under the, a different letter of the alphabet. It must have been the uh, Hebrew alphabet. And each stanza is eight verses long. There are a total of 176 verses. And each verse in all of these 176 verses mentions God's Word. So it's, read it through it sometime. It's, it, sometimes it'll say word, your statutes, your commands. But anyway, each verse mentions his, the Bible, his words. So that's been an interesting chapter to read through sometime and think about what God has to say to us and the value of, of honoring his word. Let's see, any announcements? Of course, you know that Ray's going to be our speaker today. Are you, Ray? Where's Ray? I don't know if he, who is uh, doing uh, Wednesday night? Carvin? Okay. And then next week, Carvin will be gone to Guatemala. Well, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer before we get our singing going. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a beautiful day you give us to come together and worship you. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us, for the whole world, even though we don't deserve it. Help us, Lord, to be willing to be followers of yours, and by that I mean to go out and share the good news of what you did for us with those who don't know you, and would need to get to know you. Help us to be disciples of yours, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. As we continue to worship, if you're able, let's stand and sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Father's love for us has vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make the wretched treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which are the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mom 
Day. Melissa's brought y'all a treat out in the front, so please take one when you go today. And we hope each of each of you have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Should have a Valentine's Day every day, shouldn't we? Love everybody. We're gonna sing our next song. It's a good, good father. stories of what they think you like but I heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night you can tell me that you're pleasing that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. I see many searching for answers. Far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide to know just what we need before we say a word. Good, good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Deeper still as you call me, 
Kids sit on the pier, they'd be kicking their feet. Our little kid down here is. <laughs> he is a little kid, a little younger than I am. Anyway, uh, Ray is going to come break the bed of life to us, but I missed one announcement that I need to be sure you're aware of. This coming Saturday, February the 19th, at 11 o'clock, visitation starting at. Uh, 10, but 11 o'clock be the memorial service of Reverend Russell Knox at North Crossing Church. So for those of you who knew him and respected him, try to be there. He was a great man of God. Ray. I like the kids' music better. It's like you get the preacher music, you get the kids music. You know, I just telling you, it made me want to run, you know. Had the privilege to go back and meet some of the children's staff and that, that was awesome as well. Wow, it's good to see you this morning. It, it seems like we've got a good crowd and there's even folks in the back working. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> very much <clears throat> good to see you. Uh, at the end of uh, the service today, um, we will have a short business meeting and, and uh, we have a ballot and so we'll, we'll talk about that. But I did want to share with you that uh, um, when God calls me to do something, he's the one that gets all the glory. He's the one that empowers it. He's the one that makes it happen. And God has given me um, a love for you. Um, the ones I know, and I believe by faith, he'll give me a love for the ones I don't yet know. But every one of you, he's given me a love for you. And I have people that say, what are you doing? Are you crazy? <clears throat> and I go, probably. But I really don't have a choice. When God gives you that call, you don't really have a choice. So I ask for you to pray for me and pray for each other. And definitely pray for me this morning because... I've got a Super Bowl sermon, and it's just like the Super Bowl. It's either going to be awesome, <laughs> and, and it's going to be a game-winning deal, or this thing's going to flop, because it's complicated, it's involved, it's simple, like I said, but it's complicated and everything in between. So if you'll get your outline out, um, today is a pretty basic some basic scriptures and things that many of us know, uh, but we need to always be recommitted to that. And I think you'll, you'll find some analogies, and I hope, uh, hope you can even laugh at my jokes. How many of you believe that Lord, the Lord God has a sense of humor? Anybody? 
If you don't, go look in a mirror, okay? That should get a smile on your face. Absolutely, the Lord has a sense of humor. And I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it is relevant. I believe that God wants us personally and as a church to be relevant. I think things going on in our world and our community, we need to have an answer, but we also need to be engaged. Absolutely, is this guy tempted to take his family and buy a hundred acres up in Idaho or wherever all that is and bring all of y'all with me and everybody from all my churches and we just have a Jesus commune up there and just love on everybody. We'll, we'll all fit in one accord. You know what I'm saying? We'll just have one. Yes, that's what we want to do. But God told us and challenged us to be in the world, but not of it. And we're supposed to be salt. And you don't let me think, I want you to think about it. This morning I had a bowl of grits. <clears throat> I love the South. I had a bowl of grits and I just put the right amount of salt. If I dumped as much salt as I had grits in there, what would have happened? Oh my goodness. And I'd had some medical problems as well. You know, I don't have enough blood pressure pills to keep that under control. <laughs> my point is we are to be the salt in West Monroe, in Monroe, in our area. And that means we're just sprinkled with it. We let God flow through us to season it, to make it better. But we're definitely a part of that. So I think today God wants us to experience joy and laughter. And if you know I was talking to Carvin about that, anything about my sermons, I'm going to always try to have something in there that makes us laugh, that makes us experience joy, understand His love, all these amazing things. And then there's usually going to be a pow in there that might make you uncomfortable. I'll put it this way, it makes me uncomfortable. So I pray that that doesn't offend you or whatever. I just pray that you'll let the Lord know that He loves you, He loves you, but when you love your children, sometimes what do you do? You challenge them or you go, just a minute, you can't be touching that hot oven. Up, up, you can't run across the street. You know, those kind of things. I think that's out of what God does. Well, today, do we have any sports fans here? I mean, really, I don't know if you guys see. That's the thing. I don't know. Anybody know, like football? Okay. By the way, just out of curiosity, how many of you are temporary Cincinnati Bengal fans? Oh, more than half. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting. <clears throat> uh, my daughter sent a picture of a T-shirt, and it's got Joe Burrow Half his uniform is LSU, of course, and half is, uh, is, is the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's spelled, you know, instead of B-U-R-R-O-W, it's that B-E-A-U-X, you know, the, like the, the Cajun version of that. And I bet all of you saw this, and the folks watching at home maybe that do social media, you're much better than me, but I did see that there was an ad for some tickets. It's, and this is, person is insane about football. It says, a friend of mine has two tickets for the Super Bowl. He paid $3,500 for each ticket. He didn't realize when he bought them a long time ago that it would be the same day as his wedding. <clears throat> so now he can't go. If you're interested and would like to go in his place, it's at St. Peter's Church in New York City at 5 p.m. Her name is Nancy. She's five foot four, 110 pounds. She's the one in the white dress. I'm not that bad. So let's talk about a comparison today. Today, with you sports fans, Today's the biggest game. And I want to give you a comparison. There are two teams that play today. The, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are definitely the Cinderella team, went from 4-12 and 12 to 15-5 and five or whatever it is. Uh, they, they have a player that was totally injured last year, you know, couldn't play. He won the NFL comeback against the Los Angeles Rams, who've won a Super Bowl not that long ago, but about, what, 2000, I think it was. And, and they've already been in the game several times. They've lost it actually three more times. And that's the two teams that will battle. Well, let me tell you, the same similarity happens in the game of life, in the game of eternity. We have two teams. There's the forces of light and the forces of darkness. There's the forces of good. There's the forces of evil. And I'm going to be blunt and it's politically incorrect. There's God and there's Satan. 
There's a battle. There's a membership to this team. These guys today are very talented. Very talented. They're experienced. I mean, even if they're a rookie, they played years of football and all of that, and they are drafted. They are drafted. <clears throat> there are six players on the Bengals. I did a bunch of research. I'm telling you, the ink on this is still wet, okay? There are six players on the Bengals from Louisiana, four from LSU. Of course, probably the most famous, obviously, is Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase, but there's Thaddeus Moss and Taylor Shelvin. Um, there are several that, that are there. And in the Rams, they have, uh, of course, one of the most famous players and one dear to our heart, Andrew Whitworth, who played right down the street here at West Monroe. In fact, if you didn't know this, Andrew Whitworth just won Thursday night the um, NFL Man of the Year, the Walter Payton Award. Uh, tremendous testimony, what he shared, sh talking about his kids, uh, wanting to be a giver. Amazing, man. I mean, West Monroe proud, LSU proud, anybody proud. Fantastic. And by the way, he played his most of his career for the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. So there's a lot going on today with this game. So that's the membership of the, the teams in this big stage today. What about to us? Well, it's different. We don't have to be experienced. We, we weren't necessarily anybody special. All we have to do is say yes to the still, small voice that we hear. When the Holy Spirit calls our name, when he spoke to us, whether it was a youth camp years ago or whether it was driving down the road, whether it was in a church, something we used to do, altar calls, wherever it was, that voice hit you at some point and you were called. And you had no prior talent, no prior experience, and he called you to be on his team. And then he gifted you and I with the Holy Spirit. So we were more imputed into this. We weren't, you know, raised and trained up in it. Are you a member of God's Super Bowl team? If you are, you're going to have a name that we sometimes use in New Orleans, a saint. Did you know you can be, if you're young and you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you're on his team, you're a saint? And I hope you go marching in. Not the New Orleans saints. I'm talking a true saint. The only thing that would make this sermon better is if the saints were in the Super Bowl. Woo, I could have fun with this. <laughs> All right, we got a coach. This team has coached. By the way, today's uh, interesting. Two youngest, if you add them together, the two youngest coaches ever to coach in a Super Bowl. One's 38, one's 36. Now the 36-year-old had coached in one before, but the other coach was a lot older. Both of these are very young guys. One actually mentored the other. The 36-year-old mentored the 38-year-old. He worked for him. Very young. That's the coach. You know who our coach is on God's team? The Holy Spirit. There are two players on today's teams, if you listen to it. There, the, the quarterback has a uh, receiver in his ear and until 15 seconds before the snap he can hear from his coaches. The defensive captain has one, only two players and four total on the team. Well let me tell you, all of us on God's team better have a earpiece that hears the Holy Spirit. That still small voice that called us is also trying to woo us to do the right thing. Sometimes I've heard it and go, I don't need to go there. It's almost like the force. He doesn't need to go there. That's over your head. Never mind. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, never mind. Okay. That's another sermon. You got it, guys, I'm sure. There's a playbook today. Y'all, you don't realize there's a lot of great people with amazing talent cannot play in the NFL because of the complicated playbook. The average team has over 1,000 plays they have to memorize. Some have combinations of that that could run into the thousands of plays. Um, and it's very complicated because they have offensive plays, defensive plays, special team plays, and all that. So that's a playbook, very complicated. It says the average quarterback takes two to three years to learn the playbook. And they literally have it with them like the, like the Bible. Guess what our playbook is? The Holy Bible. 
Wow. And we've got, it's a, and you know what's so cool about the Bible? This is cool about the Bible. It's as old as the ages. It's as proven. It's stories about way back there. And also it's as alive as today and tomorrow. It's alive. When you read it, it's alive. What an amazing playbook. Those books of the Bible, every one of them are alive and they're powerful. Now, there also today is a very specific game plan. You're going to get thousands of plays. But just for this game, the Bengals and the Rams will have specific plays designed for their opponent and backup plays and all that sort of thing. And it's very detailed. Well, here's what I want to tell you. God and Satan have specific plans for you and I. Read the Bible in John. Satan's plans are to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's quit making it sweet. He's out to wipe us off. He does not care that we succeed. If he gives us temporary success, it's so he can build us up to take others with us. He has no desire for you to succeed. He's already lost the battle. He can't beat Jesus. The only thing he can do is try to take as many of God's people with him as he can. Let's be real. And let me tell you, the other thing is God has a specific plan for you. Everybody knows Joshua, right? It says, I know the plans I have for you. God says that. I know the plans I have for you. Plans that are for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Read Psalms 139. Every day of your life, God has a plan. And in my case and many of your cases, he has to erase it a few times because we don't do it and we head down the wrong. We make a left. We should have made a right. We make all kinds. He erases it and then there's new plans. Because God's always recreating plans for us. There is a very detailed plan for you in glory. I want to be on the plan. And if I get off, I want to get back track, get on the right road with God. How about you? There are fans today, a lot of fans. And they are loyal. And as I said, a lot of temporary Bengal fans in Louisiana. It costs a lot of money. The average ticket, I think the cheapest ticket was $2,500. Today I looked and they are $3,500. Cheapest one up to $15,000 for a ticket. About what it costs to come here today. <laughs> the number one fan for us in our battle for eternity in our game is Jesus Christ. I'd say that's pretty good. He's rooting for us. And it's not just that. All true Christians root, support, love, encourage, challenge, just like any parent does that loves their kids. They're rooting for you. So the family of God is also our fans. Did you know that? They better be. Look around. Each of you are fans of one another. I want Sandy to succeed. And I've been praying for her and her health problems. I, I want... I don't even know Bonnie, this prayer request, but I, I heard a little bit about it and I'm gonna pray for it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm her fan. I want her to make it. And also, not only us, the saints gone before our fans. What does Hebrews say? We're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. The people that have gone on before are rooting for us. Wow, we got a fan base. Yep, there's a lot of fans. Now, speaking of fans, it's a big stage today's game. 70,000 people in the stadium, 100 million watching it in the United States, 50 million worldwide. 150 million people will watch part of the game today. That's a lot of folks. Well, you know, a lot of distractions. There's experts and pundits, but here's probably the worst distraction if I was playing in the game today. Slow motion. So if you mess up in the game, they'll show you mess up 16 times in slow motion. <laughs> or the guy catches the ball and you didn't quite get it and knock it out and you, you're going down going, ah, boom, and bounce in slow motion. Well, we got a lot of distractions in our game of life. Oh my goodness, where do I start? Hundreds of them. Anybody got kids and want to say Amen. How many got grandkids? Amen. How many still got kids at home in their 40? 60. Life's cares. Oh my goodness. We get distractions with life cares. Busyness. 
we get, we're just so busy and everything. The media, opinions, you know, I mean, we love it. It's amazing. But honestly, media is just one more thing that takes a lot of our time. And, and not only that, many are watching us and God is watching us. I had somebody recently talking about, you know, I think they can track me, you know, uh, they're putting something in me, going to track me. Well, if you got a cell phone, they can track you. Trust me. I, I you know, I, I, I mean, we, we, we don't do it, but there's capabilities of doing it. They can do that. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't worry about it. God's, I just feel like God's watching me all the time. So I just, when I'm in another state or town, there's I, God's with me. I need to make him proud. It, it just, it's good to know he's there. And sometimes things don't go well. And I turn to him and go, Really? That's okay. Let him be with you everywhere. That's, that's awesome. So yeah, there's a lot of distractions. What about victory? Well, it's possible today for one of these teams to have victory if they follow the plan and don't mess up. They can't mess up. Can't fumble. Can't have interceptions. Can't mess up and not make a tackle. What about us? We got it better than they do. Our victory in the game of life is guaranteed Eternal victory to all who are faithful and fight the good fight and never give up because Jesus paid the price. To live is victory, Paul says. To die is even another better victory. Now, how do you beat that deal? So even if you lose, you win. You know, in the human sense. And finally, there's a reward today. The very famous Lombardi Trophy. And more importantly, all the players get a ring, you know, and they'll go down in history books. Well, what about us? Our reward is joy unspeakable. It's the crown of life. It's heaven to live with our Savior and God forever. So speaking of that, I want to read a lot more scripture than I normally do, but this is a special day, a very special day. Pray for me. I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. This is heaven. And look, you just don't have to look with me if you want to in Revelation 21. You can just kind of close your eyes and relax and listen. Revelation 21, NLT. John speaking. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. That better get a amen. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This scripture is not politically correct. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven plagues came and said to me, come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And we know who that is. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like precious stone, like jasper, but as clear as crystal. The city was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. 
Then there were three gates on each side, three on the east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held his hand held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. And when he measured it, he found it to be square, as wide as it was long and as, as high as it was wide and long. Each were 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on a foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third was agate, the fourth was emerald, the fifth was onyx, the sixth was carnelian, the seventh was chrysolite, the eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was chrysoprez, or carosopraise, let me say it better. It's hard to say that one. I had to look it up actually to see what it looked like. The eleventh was jacinth, and of course the twelfth was amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearl, each gate out of a single pearl. That's pretty awesome. And the main street was pure gold, again as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful adultery or dishonesty. But who enters? Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those are the ones who are on the roster. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name on the today's game of life roster? I pray it is. I hope it is. For some of us today, this is a reminder. But for a lot of us today, this is a reminder too. We cannot be complacent. Andrew Whitworth, all these superstars today cannot be complacent in this game today. We know that. They can't go, oh, I've arrived, I've made it to the game, I've let down. They've got to keep fighting. And brothers and sisters, you can be my age or even a little older and you can't give up. In fact, to quote Winston Churchill, never, 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 never give up. You know, we've got to keep fighting. You never, ever, ever give up. So how do we get on the roster of God's team? I'm so glad you asked. I knew you would, so I went ahead and wrote it down for you. It's on your outline. The first one, very simple things. I'm going to go quickly. God's plan, man's problem. Now the plan for God is this. God's plan was to be our creator. And you won't believe this. God wanted to walk with us, talk with us, look at the Garden of Eden. He wanted to spend time with us. That's been God's plan all along from the very beginning. Well, Adam and Eve, man messed up. And as a result of that, sin entered the world and, the, and it, 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 we got separated, we got banished. We're the ones that messed up. God had a plan. So God sent prophets to get us back on track. He sent judges to get us back on track. Kings, man wanted kings and he sent them kings. He gave the law. He, he, he chose us as a people and we still kept messing up because of our endemic nature. That's the fancy term for all that sin that we bring. So God comes up with a winning game plan. It's a new covenant, a new plan that he has. And the price was paid, the sacrifice, because without, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So he sent the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, to pay the price. Y'all know that story. So God sent Jesus. And Jesus is God in flesh. And I want to tell you, I believe this, and you need to be reminded, Jesus actually was human and God. He lived, he was murdered, 
He resurrected and he returned to heaven and that's where he sits today. Amen? God called us to be on his team, to be his saints. If you don't believe it, I don't have it on your outline, but 1 Corinthians 1-2 talks about the saints are the church of God in Corinth. And it says, you have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by the means of Jesus Christ what he did. Just as he did all Christians everywhere, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus, our Lord and theirs, will be saved, we become his saints. That's clear as a bell. They wrote that scripture for today's sermon. Only the saints of God are gonna go marching in, not the New Orleans saints. I love that song, I, I really do. So, the second point is accept, accept Jesus' claim to be God. Accept Jesus' claim to be God. Newsweek, U.S. World Report, all those magazines, there's been so many talk about Jesus and have articles on Jesus. And a while back they interviewed Jews, Muslims, and Buddhists, no Christians. And overwhelmingly all three of these groups had a tremendous respect for Jesus as teacher, as a rabbi, and as a prophet. Believe it or not, the Muslims believe Jesus is a prophet. But here's the one difference. All of these religions fall short of one thing. They admire Jesus, they think he's the best, but fall short of one thing. They do not believe Jesus is God. So this is life's big question. Who do you believe Jesus to be? I think we should accept Jesus' claim to be God. That's what makes us Christian. I heard a story, you teachers, and there's a lot of you teachers in here like me that, that have a career uh, in education. You're going to cringe when you hear this. There was a story of a liberal young atheist who became a teacher, and she deci decided she wanted to educate all these children, small children, because they'd been brainwashed by their parents and culture to be Christians. So when she walked in the classroom, at some point, she said, I'm an atheist. How many of you are atheists too? Well, you know the kids, they don't know what atheist means. They're all raising their hands, but not one little girl. She was a member of Cypress Street Church of God. <laughs> Her name was Lucy. I love Lucy. And the teacher noticed Lucy wasn't raising her hands. She said, Lucy, aren't you an atheist? No. Well, why not? I asked Jesus into my heart and I'm a Christian. So she'd been trained. The teacher's first response was pretty tough because of that J word that was pronounced in her class. In fact, sometimes I just want to go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. Unbelievable. Jesus. All right, so Lucy, why are you a Christian? And this is a good old Southern girl. Well, daddy asked Jesus in his heart. Mama asked Jesus into her heart. They're Christians, so I asked Jesus too. Lucy, that's no reason. If your dad was a moron and your mom was a moron, then what would you be? Lucy paused for a while thinking about that. She didn't even know what that meant. I guess I'd be an atheist. There's probably as much truth in that story as any story I have ever told. So what about you and I? If we listen to Jesus, I want to tell you something. If you read the Bible and you listen to him, he didn't claim to be just a teacher, just a prophet. And so Jesus is either God or he's really a liar and a charlatan. I think we need to be honest with that. You've got to decide that. And Jesus left no room for doubt. Look on your outline or look at your, your, your scriptures there. The Father and I are one. That's pretty clear. For when you see me, you see God. That's pretty clear. And then this one's really clear. But Jesus remained silent. Y'all know the high priests were trying him 
near the end. I demand in the name of the living God that you tell us whether you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus replied this pretty clearly, written down, yes, it is as you say. The Jewish history books, Josephus, all that's transcript, uh, you, you court reporters are like this. Yes, I am. That's pretty clear. It's recorded there. In fact, I'm not only God, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand. I mean, it gets good. So are you willing to accept Jesus' claim to be God? We need to be reminded and recommit to that today. Thirdly, <coughs> excuse me, believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Ever wonder what people are going to say about you when you're passed away or dead? You know, Dale mentioned the big funeral or memorial service this next Saturday for Brother Niles who served pastor and all over place and missionary in three countries and all that. And, you know, that's going to be going on. You know, at your wake, at your viewing, at your memorial service, what, what, what are people going to say about you? What are they going to say about me? Well, there's a story of three guys talking about that one day. What, are, what do you want people to say about you? And one guy said, I want him to say he was a good father and, uh, you know, a good husband. And the other guy said, well, look, I was a teacher all my life. I, I really would like them to say that I inspired people to learn and to obtain their goal in life. And they looked at the third guy and he was like eyes wide open. He said, wow, what do I want people to say when they're walking past my casket? I want them to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> he's, not, he's not ready to go. <laughs> now, I don't know what you want people to say, but honestly, it really doesn't matter what people say because all that matters is what Jesus says. The only opinion that matters is the Lord. And here's the thing. He loves you and he has a high opinion of you and he has given his life for you. And there's lots of ways that, that, that people say today, there's all these ways to go to heaven. There's all these ways to go to God. That's the hottest thing out there. You've got to find your own way. I mean, it's everywhere. Well, read those scriptures there. There's only one name. There's only one God and only one way of being accepted by him. It's a very narrow view and it's called Jesus. What is the Church of God website? Come on, what do you think? Jesusisthesubject.org. Not necessarily a lot of good comes out of Anderson, but I'll tell you that's a good one. Now, Many say it's not important what you believe. You just need to believe. Have you ever heard that? I don't think there's been a week I hadn't heard that from somebody. You just need to believe. You've got to seek God however. I, I hear us all the time. I believe I'm good. Or sometimes y'all might not know what this means, but I hear from people. I believe I'm a good old boy. I'll make it. What if you're a girl, though? I'm a good old girl. I'm going to make it. I'll go to heaven. I'm religious. I'm faithful with my rituals. I'll go to heaven. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I'm a big person on going to church. And everybody at home, if you're sick, you stay there. But if you're well, you need to be here in the body of Christ attending. I'm telling you, it's nothing like being here live, being with your body, encouraging one another. So as soon as you're able, be here. Because here's what I want to tell you. I believe in church like crazy. But just going to church does not make you a Christian no more than going to Taco Bell makes you a burrito. That'll go over your head and you'll hit, it'll hit you. There'll be a, I need a bell going off right now. I'm very special. I'm better than other people. I'm going to go to heaven. Let me tell you, every person in this room is better than other people. You can always find somebody that's worse. I'm better than Hitler. I'm going to heaven. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to hear to me, I'm better than that prayer warrior, saint, grandma, whatever. No, nobody's saying that. You follow what I'm saying? I got people all the time saying, I, I don't go to church because it's got a lot of he hypocrites in it. 
And that may be true. Sometimes churches have hypocrites in there. I say, come on, hypocrites. We need all the hypocrites. Come on, let's go. Let's get saved. Let's get, let's, come on, everybody come in. Don't matter who you are, come on in. I think it's great, but be careful if you say, I'm not going to church and I don't have that kind of religion because of hypocrites because you're going to be somewhere that's very warm with a bunch of them. Say, so going to be your cellmates. Thirdly, commit, or for those of you that have been a Christian a long time, you can say recommit. You can put an R-E in front of that C. Recommit yourself to Jesus Christ today, and I would even add every day. What have you done with what you know? I want to caution you as we kind of wind it down. Don't think because you understand the whole Bible or a lot of it with your knowledge up here alone that you're okay. Because unless you've truly committed also with your heart, then it's not going to work. Guess what? Who knows the Bible better than anybody in this room, particularly me? Satan. He knows it cognitively, quotes it. He likes to distort it. So it's not just a cognitive. Do I believe that you should know it? Absolutely. Hide the word. But here's the key. If you listen to that, where else do you got to hide it? <coughs> not just here. Your heart. Your heart. So do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe he's the only way? Yes. So we got that covered. We're, we're right here. Have you personally committed your life to him as Lord? Well, not yet. Do you feel him? Do you, are you passionate about him? Not yet. Are you passionate about football? Yeah. Are you passionate about your toy? Whatever thing is you have. Are you passionate about another person? Yeah. Well, here's what I'm saying. Don't miss heaven by 16 inches. Today, they will tell you, and you'll hear from the announcers, football's a game of inches, you know, to get to a first down or get to a touchdown. Literally, inches. Well, I want to tell you the game of life is a game of inches. It's 16 inches. I said 16 inches. Do not miss heaven by 16 inches. You say, what in the world are you talking about? That's the average distance between your head and your heart. You've got to know with your head and you've got to understand with your head, but it's got to affect your heart. Amen. We've got to have a real, passionate, alive relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we make him Lord, it's with all of our heart. We must act on what we believe. I told somebody earlier I was going to pick on them so they can figure out who they are. But there was a natural gas company, had two employees, and... Uh, one of them was older, and one of them was younger, the trainee, and they went to a house to read the meter, and there might have been a gas leak or something there. They were, she thought she smelled. Well, the, the elderly woman, the real classy, elderly, lovely woman, was out there hanging her clothes out on the uh, clothesline, and the guys were around the back, and they were back there working on the meter, getting that from the natural gas company. Well, what she didn't know is the conversation going on between the two guys. So the younger guy's really cocky. He thinks he's something and all that. And one thing led to another about how fast he was and cool he was. Y'all know sometimes young male, males can be that way. And he was just bragging how great he was. And what he didn't know is his older mentor had been a track star and had some records. And he looked at that kid over and goes, I think I can take him. So they made a deal. When we're through fixing this leak and getting the meter straight, I'll race you back to the truck. So when they finished, they took off running, and I mean, they were hitting it pretty hard. And just before they got to the gas truck, that elderly woman passed him up, fell out, laid her hands over on the hood and is breathing, you know, trying to catch her breath. And of course, they stop what they're doing. They're looking at her. What in the world, ma'am? Are you okay? What's going on? She said, I don't know. And took a little while. And finally, she said, I wrote this down. I, I, I don't know, but anytime I see two gas company meter readers running that hard, I'm running too. 
That's a smart, wise lady. So here's what I want you to remember about that. When I see somebody in my church, somebody that loves me running to God, when I see somebody turning around and running to God, I need to run to God too. When I mess up and I'm down, here's what Satan's gonna tell you. Here's what Satan's gonna tell you when you mess up. Oh, God didn't let that happen to you. God made that happen. Be mad at him. It's terrible and all that. Leave him and run away from him when what we ought to be doing is running to him. That's when you're smart like this lady was smart. There's two scriptures that are on the end of your outline. The first one says, you must be ready all the time for the Son of Man comes when least expected. I read, read a quote from one of my, the greatest minds of the 20th century, the greatest minds of all time, C.S. Lewis. When the author of the play walks on stage, the play is over. C.S. Lewis says, God is going to invade but what good then will it be to say then, I'm on his side, as you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream? That's not the time for choosing. That will be the time we discover which side we'd already chosen. Boom. C.S. Lewis hit it pretty good, and that word of God hits it pretty good. We need to choose today which side we're on and we need to make it passionately real in our life. So, dear friend, today, this moment, it's our chance to choose to be on the winning side in the game of all games, the super game. And so I have a question on your outline. Are you on the team? Are you one of that number? When the roll is called up yonder, are you gonna be there? And on the outline, I have a question. Have you executed the plan? Are you in the game executing the plan? Are you on the sidelines drinking Gatorade? Yeah, the kingdom of God's a good thing. It's tough out there. There's a lot of people to pray for and stuff. I tell you what, hey, y'all make sure you pray for them. You follow what I'm saying? Are you in the game? Are you in the game? Are you in the game? In the last statement, I want to read that scripture, Romans 3.22. We are made right in God's sight when we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in this same way, no matter who we are or what we've done. I like that. Can I read that last part? No matter who we are or what we've done, we just took away all that past, so what does the last thing on the outline say? Let me find it there for you. Understanding who you really are will really change how you live. If you realize what God has done for you, taken away whatever we've done wrong as far as the east is from the west, and you can't get excited about that, then don't get excited about a football game or your son scoring a touchdown or hitting a home run. Don't get excited about anything because you're already dead. Look, he's already dead. Understanding who you really are will change the way you live. Here's what you are. Here's what you are. You are chosen. You're on the team. You're on God's team. Feel it. Get in the game. Make a difference. And I will tell you, Satan's telling you, you're not too good. Your body's falling apart. You don't look too good. You don't have the right looks, body, whatever. You're not smart enough. You're not this, you're not that. That's all the lies of the devil. God chose you, he made you, and until you breathe your last, last breath, stay in the game. You're on God's team. You're a true saint. I want to pray a prayer of blessing for you and a prayer of commitment. Will you bow your heads with me? Oh God, I pray. I didn't do a good job with this, but I pray your Holy Spirit took today's words and the scriptures and the thoughts and really reiterates in our heart and mind on this day, this Super Bowl Sunday, that we are chosen and God, can we have as much excitement about living for you? And, and can we hear the voice in our helmet as the quarterback of our life of the Holy Spirit speaking to us? And God, can we follow your direction? 
It's awesome that you chose me. You chose every person in this room to be on your team. We're chosen and we're not alone. And our enemy is already defeated. Lord, can we zone in on you and hear those words now? I love you. You're on my team. I'm with you. We've got this. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said.